Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Well, happy Easter. You can take a seat. My name is Julie Yoder, and I am the co-senior pastor here, along with my awesome husband, Mike. And we're so glad that you are joining us this Easter, whether you're here with us in person. And I know for some of you, this is your first time back in the building in almost a year, or maybe your first time ever coming to church here. And I know that some of you are still joining us online, and our prayer for you today, wherever you are experiencing this encounter, is that you would experience the real and living Jesus today. And I have to give a shout out to our amazing creative teams. That was an original song written by Rich, who is on our team. And that incredible hip hop makes me wish I could dance. Do you know what I love about Jesus, though? We've already been encountering him this entire time. We can encounter him. We can experience him as we watch a creative dance and hear music and sing praises to him. I have a good feeling about today. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And what I find so interesting with the story of Easter is that many of us can recite the facts, young and old. We can, you know, we know the story. We know that Jesus died a brutal death on the cross for us. And that three days later, he rose to life again, defeating death and giving us new life now and a future in heaven. And yet many of us feel disconnected from the Easter story. And we can actually feel like, well, I know we're supposed to celebrate it, but I don't really understand why we're celebrating it. We can know a lot about Easter, and yet not understand the incredible truth that happened 2,000 years ago. And I believe that that's because we can know a lot about a person and not actually know them. An encounter with someone, actually meeting someone, experiencing someone, changes us. Let me give you an example. So I have a friend, and he went to the University of Illinois, and he had a roommate who told him about this gorgeous girl that the roommate was friends with. And he said, listen, I've got this friend from Peoria. She is beautiful. She's accomplished. And my friend is like, this is exactly the type of girl that I am interested in. So although he never met her at this point, he asked tons of questions, and he got lots of information about her. And he was like, oh, Lord, please let me meet this girl. Well, Lo and behold, three years later, that girl decides to go to the University of Illinois, and they met. And when they met, my friend's eyes were opened, and did his heart ever burn? She was better than he could have ever imagined. They hit it off, they fell in love, and his knowledge about her turned into actually knowing her. He convinced her to marry him, and this summer they will celebrate 50 years uh, together. That's right. I was telling not the story of my friend, but the story of my parents, Happy and Diane Lehman, our founding pastors. This is, this is actually a true story. My dad, my dad knew a lot about my mom before they ever met, but meeting her changed everything. You know, we can know a lot about Easter and yet not know Jesus. And today, Jesus wants to encounter us. You've already heard this word a lot. So what is an encounter? An encounter is when we experience Jesus. And these, these can be ordinary or extraordinary. 
But what I find is when I encounter Jesus, I have a fresh awareness of his presence. And it's not just when we're doing spiritual things. It can be when we're doing spiritual things, coming to a church service, reading our Bibles, worshiping. But it can also be while we're on a walk with a friend, when we're in nature. It can be when we're with others or when we're by ourselves. An encounter is when we have an experience with Jesus. And encountering him opens our eyes to who he is and makes our hearts burn for him. But I want to do a little check-in right now because I know for many of us, our faith feels flat. And it's been a difficult and challenging year. Perhaps you have no faith at all, but you are maybe searching or maybe someone drug you here today. You're welcome. Really, truly. Maybe you, you feel like your, your, your faith feels lifeless or, or you want to feel something, but this year, you know what it's done for so many of us? It's made us feel numb. Well, today I believe that Jesus, he wants to come and he wants to encounter us and he wants to open our eyes and have our hearts burn for him. You may have come to church today knowing about the Easter story, but my prayer is that as I preach on this Easter encounter, you would see that knowing about Jesus pales in comparison to experiencing him. You see, Jesus wants to take our knowledge of him and turn it into knowing him. And that is what I hope to do today as I take us on this journey of a passage called The Road to Emmaus. And we're going to see that experiencing Jesus is far better, it's far richer, it's far more satisfying than simply just knowing about him. I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher today. And so, Holy Spirit, we do, we welcome you here in our midst. Thank you for today. Thank you for dying and, and raising up again. And I pray that our hearts would be open to how you want to encounter us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I'm going to take us to Luke 24. This is going to be our passage for today. But before we get to the actual text, I want to set the stage of what's happening. So it's Resurrection Sunday, and the women have gone to the tomb, and two angels greet them and tell them, he's not here. He's alive. Go tell the men. So the women run, and they tell the men, and the men don't believe them. Now, I would like to insert some humor here to make some jokes, but I will give them a benefit of the doubt that in the first century, women were not reliable witnesses. So the men have to go to the tomb themselves, and they go to the tomb, and they see for their own eyes that Jesus is gone. But no one has seen Jesus at this point. So I want you to put yourself in these disciples' shoes. This is really confusing. The last few days have gone not at all like they thought they would go. And now Jesus' body is gone. The angels have said he's risen. There's confusion. There's astonishment. There's probably joy, excitement. What's going to happen next? Okay, so then we're about to meet two disciples. These disciples are walking from Jerusalem to an obscure village called Emmaus. Maybe they were walking home. We're not really sure. We do know the name of one of the disciples. His name is Cleopas. But we don't know the name of the other disciple. And theologians have, you know, speculated, like, who could that have been? Some people think it could have been Peter. Some people say Nathaniel. Some people say it could have been Luke himself. Um, yet other theologians say that it could be Mary, Cleopas's wife, which I, I kind of love the idea that it's this husband and wife walking home. 
But I read an interesting commentary, and it said that perhaps Luke's failure to identify this companion in gender or with name was an invitation to us as the reader to see ourselves in this story. And so today, I want you to picture yourself in this story, walking with another disciple of Jesus, not fully understanding, having a lot of knowledge of things, but not fully knowing what Jesus was all about. And I'm going to pick up now in verse 13 and read part of the story to us. This is what it says. Later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. They were in the midst of, of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Jesus said to them, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. I kind of imagine that he had like a little smirk on his face at that point, but I don't know for sure. They stopped, and the one named Cleopas answered, Haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, What things? The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful, and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priests and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We had all hoped that he would be the one to redeem and rescue Israel. Early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly like the women said, but no one has seen him. Okay, let's stop here in this encounter story and let's unpack it a little bit. Okay, so remember, it's Sunday. It's three days after the crucifixion. And these two disciples of Jesus are returning, to Jerus or returning from Jerusalem to Emmaus with heavy hearts. And it's just, it's not hard for me to picture these two like walking and talking about all that they've been through in the last week, in the last month. And I picture them like recalling, like, remember when Jesus did that? Oh yeah, that, that was amazing. And, and recounting the, the, the different miracles and, and the amazing things that they had seen with Jesus. And then I can imagine them remembering with deep sorrow Jesus's death and how they felt in that moment. You know, grief, it's like this wave, it's this roller coaster. And, and I can imagine that there were parts of this conversation that were like really high and then parts that were really low. Nothing had happened like they thought it would happen. They were deeply, deeply grieved and sad. They had hoped that Jesus was going to redeem and rescue Israel, but this didn't seem like it was going to happen. You see, these disciples, like most of the other disciples, believed that Jesus was going to be a political ruler, that he was going to come in and in an earthly, natural way, set Israel free. They had preconceived notions and ideas about who Jesus was and what he was supposed to do when he came to earth here. Now, I want to stop here because can you see yourself in this story? These disciples, things are not going well for them. Things are not going as they expected them to go. And I think we can just take a look over the last 12 months and say, we feel you, right? Some of us, maybe we've lost a loved one or a family member over the last year. Perhaps some of us, you know, it's not gone as we expected politically. 
I know for many of us, you know, we, we long for, for life the way it was before the pandemic. We, we can actually understand this feeling of, of thinking that Jesus is one way, but it doesn't feel like our circumstances match what we believe about him. And so these disciples, they're questioning, like, who is Jesus? Like, we thought we, thought we knew who, who, what he was going to be about, but he doesn't seem like that. And then suddenly, this man is walking up beside them. And like, hey, what you guys talking about? Now, I don't know why, but I picture myself being like, if I was the disciple with Cleopas, being like, excuse me, we're kind of having a moment here. So if you could just scoot, you know, scooch along. Uh, we want to remember Jesus together. But Jesus comes up, and, you know, even though these disciples, they, they knew who Jesus was, the Bible tells us that they did not recognize him. Now, this is not Jesus, like, being intentionally cruel or mean. Do you know what this is? This is Jesus actually helping to create space for encounter. Our knowledge of Jesus can sometimes keep us in this place that we stop learning about who he is. And what I believe Jesus was doing here is he's saying, I actually need to create some space. I need you to see things differently. I need you to not know who I am right now so that you can actually know me. And so he creates this space for the disciples. Where might Jesus be trying to create space in your life for encounter? Our circumstances can derail us, but Jesus re-centers us. Where is Jesus wanting to take your knowledge of him and turn it into knowing him more fully? These disciples tell Jesus, you know, there's reports of an empty tomb. Like the angels have said he's risen from the dead. But these disciples, they obviously did not believe. Why? Because it's Sunday. I mean, wouldn't you at least have waited till Monday? You've heard some reports like he could be alive. And instead, you've left. You're so discouraged. You've left the place of promise. This is a word for some of you today. You are so discouraged. You have left the place of promise that God has called you to. And today there is an invitation. You're going to find out they're going to return to where God told them to go later on in this story. Knowing about Jesus... Knowing about Jesus and knowing him are two completely different things. Okay, I'm going to continue reading now in verse 25. This is what it says. Jesus said to them, why are you so thick-headed? I mean, that's a Jesus juke right there from Jesus himself. Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ, the Messiah, to experience all these sufferings and then afterward to enter into his glory? Then Jesus then he carefully unveiled to them this revelation of himself throughout the scripture. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. As they approached the village, Jesus walked ahead, telling them he was going on to a distant place. They urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village. Joining them at the table for supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it, then gave it to them. All at once, their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly, in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? 
He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. When they found the 11 and the other disciples all together, they overheard them saying, it's really true. The Lord has risen from the dead. He even appeared to Peter. Then the two disciples told the others what had happened to them on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus had unveiled himself as he broke bread with them. Eyes opened, hearts burning. When we encounter the resurrected Jesus, our knowledge of him turns into intimately knowing him. So what Jesus does here is he, he reveals through scripture the whole message of the gospel, starting at the beginning. And we don't know what scriptures Jesus used, but I love to imagine, like, what did he say to these disciples? Did he say, I, Jesus, am the lion of the tribe of Ju Judah? I, Jesus, am the Passover lamb. I am the son of David. I am the suffering servant. And he unpacked these scriptures to them. I mean, I get jealous thinking about having that type of, you know, gospel teaching right there in conversation. So powerful. I imagine that Jesus, you know, he explained to them why he had to die, that he was whipped for our transgressions, that his blood paid for our debt, that through his stripes, not only are we healed, but we're made whole and we're set free. Jesus' death, it restores us to relationship with our Father. His resurrection gives us new life. It gives us a new identity. We're filled with his spirit and able to live out this destiny that we're called to. And, you know, I imagine that Jesus is explaining to them, like, you know, my resurrection is amazing, but it's actually a foretaste of your own resurrection. I have defeated death. Death no longer has the final word. I have not only redeemed you and restored you, I've taken away the keys to death in Hades. And this is an incredible truth that we need to soak in in this year of incredible loss. I know for some of you today, there's an empty place at your Easter table. I know today there's, there's heaviness in your hearts as you think of those who have, you've lost. This incredible gift that Jesus gives us, it's a gift that all we have to do is receive. And when we say yes to Jesus, we have eternity in heaven with him. And so I pray today that if your heart is heavy, if you're grieving the loss, that you would feel the Holy Spirit, that you would know that the story of Easter is a story of hope. It's not the end we could have known. This is the story of Easter. So powerful. So Jesus is like unpacking all of this. And what's so interesting to me is Jesus just doesn't like reveal himself right away. Like, hey, it me. No, he doesn't do that. Like he, he takes people on this journey. He actually says to them, hey, I want to give you an encounter with the word of God, the living word of God, actually, in this case. And I want to give you an encounter. And I want to, sh I want to open your eyes so that you can see how all the scriptures, they point to me. This is the power of encounter in our lives. For some of us, you feel dry, you feel stale, your heart isn't burning, open up your Bible. Allow the Spirit to speak his truth to you about who Jesus actually is. He wants to encounter you through his word. And then so beautifully at the dinner table, a symbol of friendship and nourishment, Jesus, he breaks the bread and in that moment, He's revealed to the disciples, which is why today you have a piece of bread to break with your family or a friend or by yourself, because we want 
We want to see Jesus. We, we want our hearts to burn for him. I love the intimacy of this picture. This is just so how Jesus is. He is so rooted in relationship. It's around the dinner table and everyday activity. This is actually how Jesus wants to encounter us in our lives. And when this happens, our hearts burn. Eyes open, hearts burning. We feel alive and we come alive. You know, when I was in middle school, I knew a lot about Jesus. I knew all the Bible stories. You guys, I'm a PK. That means I'm a pastor's kid. I was at church a lot. I knew a lot about Jesus. But it wasn't until I had an encounter with his Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old during something called the Toronto Renewal, where the Holy Spirit was unleashed and there was prophecy and healings and signs and wonders. When I experienced Jesus in this way, I came alive. My eyes were open, my heart burned. And at 12 years old, I knew that part of my calling was going to help people encounter and extend Jesus's love, truth, and power. So it doesn't matter if you're 12 today or you're 22 or you're 62, Jesus wants to encounter you. He wants to make himself more and more real to you. He wants you to actually know him. And so what I love about this is that when we encounter Jesus, when we experience him, we want to extend him to the world. And this is what we see about the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They don't care what time it is. They've walked all this way. It's dark. It's dangerous. When this happens, they turn around and they run back to Jerusalem, to the place of promise. They run back to tell the good news that Jesus is alive. This Easter encounter it opened their eyes. It made their hearts burn. I like to say it this way. Eyes open, hearts burning, legs running, lips telling. This is what happens when we encounter Jesus. He wants us to be alive. And our response is then to extend him to the world around us. Jesus is alive and he wants to encounter you. I love a good story. And so today I'm going to share the story of my friend Alexis with you, who despite many challenges encountered Jesus, and was forever changed by his love. My name is Lexis Webb. Growing up was very difficult. There was a lot of things that happened in my family. One of the things that happened was my parents divorced when I was three because um, my dad came out as gay. I took on a lot of my family's sorrows because I just wanted everyone to be happy. A lot of what I was hearing was that Christians hated my dad. My dad's one of the best people I know. Around fourth grade, that was the year that actually I was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. And that was the same year I moved to a new school. So I immediately became the weird new girl. I didn't really have any friends. And I just was so confused about why my body was doing things I didn't understand. And, even now, I still have it, you know, my face twitches or I'll hum or, or things like that. My brothers and I played sports and were involved in different things, and so Sundays were really hard to go through, and we went to a Roman Catholic church, and when you're tiny and you're going to this big open church, all these old people, and everyone's, like, chanting about blood, and I'm like, what is going on here? I was, I did not get it. I applied to um, a very tiny college in Erie, Pennsylvania called Mercerist University. And getting into theater, I met this boy. And he was a Christian. Um, and him and his family just seemed to have 
the life that I had always dreamed of having. They were incredibly close. I wanted to be a part of that so bad. And so I, I started asking him questions and um, looking up stuff of my own. And then very, very early on in the relationship, things got very toxic. He would say things over and over when he would do something wrong to me. He would say, well, it's okay because Jesus forgives me. So, sorry I cheated on you, but I'm forgiven. It was just like I couldn't live correctly. I couldn't breathe without him making me feel like I was doing something so wrong. And I, like I knew that I needed to get out, but I didn't know if that was the right thing to do because I didn't know who Jesus was yet, he would say to me again after all of this stuff, it's okay, God, God's meaning for this to happen. God, God wants us to be together because he's teaching me so much through these mistakes. But he thought that he was getting all of his spiritual growth. <laughs> and in the process of him feeling like he was being becoming a better person. I was becoming nothing. I was away from him for a little bit, and I thought, I want to actually get into this more. So I found a church nearby, and I met this really amazing couple. They knew that I didn't really know who Christ was, and I was still asking questions, and they listened to every question I had. All through my life, I was gaining all of this knowledge about what Christianity might be. They didn't know who Jesus was. So I started looking into masters and theater programs, more generalized, and I saw the one at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. I just Googled church nearby, and the vineyard was the first thing to come up, and so I came. I walked in, and there, there were people with hands raised and shouting. I was like, what is going on? And I remember there was one song that played and I started crying and I had absolutely no idea why. Clay got up there and asked, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you want to say yes today, do so. And I just remember raising my hand. It's like I, my body couldn't even help but just want to give myself to God, knowing that God would want to heal us so deeply that he would send his only son to end up brutally dying on a cross and then still overcome that. I cannot believe that someone would love me that way. Hi, um, my name is Alexis. I'm a graduate student at U of I. I got into a really abusive relationship. While I was finding Jesus, he gave me the strength to leave that relationship. I realized that I wasn't running away, that God was pulling me towards him. I just feel like my life has been totally changed. I've always prayed for a community like this, and I found my Bible group. I love you all so much. I love this church so much, and I just feel like for the, the first time in my life, I feel like I have purpose, that I'm free, and I'm just ready to, to fully thank Jesus through getting baptized today. Now all I want to do is 
love other people that way so that they know who Jesus is. It doesn't have to be some grand gesture because the Lord is always walking with us. Maybe turn and see him waiting for you there. So good. Thank you, Alexis, for allowing us to share your story. I love how she ended that. Maybe turn and see him waiting there for you. And I believe that this is what the Holy Spirit actually wants to do right now. We love to worship here. And that was part of Alexis's story that she encountered the Holy Spirit's love and peace during worship. So would you stand as we transition now into a time of worship? And I believe that Jesus wants our expectation to be high right now that he's coming into the room to invade us with his love and his hope and his peace and his healing. Some of you are gonna actually experience physical healing during this time of worship. You may feel you know, butterflies, you may feel warmth, you may feel peace, but Jesus wants to encounter us right now. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you here into this space. Come Holy Spirit and have your way. We worship you, the one true King. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.